0: Welcome to a Thursday edition of Ozarks at Large for February 9th, 2023. I'm Matthew Moore.
1: I'm Kyle Kellams. Legislators can no longer introduce possible constitutional amendments to be placed on the November 2024 ballot in Arkansas. Yesterday was the deadline. Nearly three dozen proposals have now been submitted by state lawmakers. Suggested modifications to the Arkansas Constitution include new ways to recall elected officials, adjustments to how lottery money can be used to fund scholarships, and the creation of a board of pardons. No more than three of the proposals can be referred by the legislature to the ballot.
0: Just ahead on our show, how the Bentonville School District is recruiting new personnel.
1: Before that, Governor Sarah Huckabee Sanders expanded on the details of her education plan yesterday. Democrats, meanwhile, say some of the governor's policy goals could hurt public schools. Josie Lenora with our partner station KUAR has more.
2: In front of a crowded stairwell of supporters, Sanders called education the civil rights issue of our day. She said she plans to raise minimum teacher salaries to $50,000 and forgive student debt for teachers working in some of the state's highest need areas. Sanders detailed how she plans to use state dollars to help parents enroll their children in the school of their choosing. Our new education freedom account allows parents to enroll their kids in whatever school is most appropriate for their family, whether it be public, private, parochial or homeschool. The governor said she also intends to give tutoring grants to students who are struggling to read and create a dual high school diploma system to help students enter the workforce. Democratic House Minority Leader Tippi McCullough said she is against school voucher programs. So you get private, you know, entities and everything coming in and taking money away with that go, may go with the students to um, these uh, to private schools, and not necessarily just existing private schools. There could be all kinds of uh, unlimited charters, all kinds of private type schools popping up, and just really um, depleting, you know, our resources in the public schools. The governor estimates her plan could cost 300 million in the first year. She says the state's bureau of legislative research will take the lead in writing the bill's language based on her policy recommendations. In Little Rock, I'm Josie Lenora.
0: Bentonville Schools is hosting its first ever recruitment fair on Saturday, February 25th at the Bentonville High School. I spoke to Leslie Wright, the director of communications for Bentonville Schools, who says they're hoping to recruit more than just teachers for this event.
3: Folks who might be willing to drive a bus, folks who might be willing to serve as an, a, an administrative assistant in one of our schools, Basically, if you have any interest in being in the education system, we would love for you to attend. That also extends to school nurses, folks in our facilities and maintenance division. So we're hoping to connect with folks who would like to work in Bentonville schools and potentially get to know them better while they get to know us better.
0: Yeah, absolutely. What was the impetus to start the fair this year?
3: We are seeing increased difficulty in hiring folks to work in Uh, the district, and I suspect that's across so many industries, whether it's hospitality or the health industry, we're seeing that, we're feeling that same crunch, and so we want to always attract the best and the brightest, whether it's in our teaching staff, our school nurses, wherever that person thinks he or she might be a good fit, we'd love to hear from him or her.
0: What sort of things can people expect at this recruitment fair other than, you know, what what should people bring um, in preparation for this?
3: Such a great question. So we would love for anyone who's interested in working in Bentonville schools to come in. It's It's drop in, so there's no reason for um a scheduled appointment or to feel as if though he or she needs to stay all day it's a drop-in event from 9 30 to 2 30. we ask that you bring a resume and we will actually be set up to do interviews on site and so we'd really like to just hear from people who are interested in working in bentonville schools working in education you know the benefits of the education system are pretty um, impressive the state retirement system is awesome several weeks off a year, and that's not, I'm not even talking about teachers who get to enjoy some of the summer off, not quite all of it, but some of it, health benefits. It's just a really nice place to work, and so we would like to be able to tell that story to people who might be interested in a career in education, and like I said, get to know them a little better.
0: I don't know you personally, Leslie, but I imagine that you had a job somewhere before you worked in the Bentonville schools. What would you tell people who are thinking to themselves, I would never see myself working in a school?
3: Mm. I love that you asked that. So, I came from a corporate setting, and what I have most enjoyed about working for Bentonville schools, this is my first time to work in the public sector, and what I've most enjoyed about it is that I have... daughter who is a teenager and this schedule has allowed me i actually work year-round um personally i don't have summers off but still it's such a wonderful family environment i don't miss pep rallies i don't miss piano recitals it's just been a fantastic way to for me personally to step back and prioritize what really matters and that's my family and um, I've really enjoyed having two weeks off at Christmas break, for example, with her. So it's been a great opportunity for me. And I think the other people in the district would agree. It's not to say that every day is perfect. It's still a job, right? So we're all working, we're all working, um, striving towards accomplishing the Bentonville School's mission, but it's still a great team environment. The camaraderie is fantastic.
0: Yeah, as a, as a fellow uh public uh, service worker, I can tell you that, you know, it's it's more than just a job, but it's also, you know, as you kind of talked about, a, a bit of a mission and a bit of a, um, a, a higher calling in a way too, right?
3: Without a doubt. Our teachers are second to none. They are phenomenal men and women, and I'm so proud to have my daughter being educated in Bentonville schools. So, most definitely, people who are here want to be here, and it's really good to work around people who are like-minded in terms of we all see the mission clearly to keep kids safe and to educate them and to know that your child is one of them. It gives you even more motivation to do great work.
0: There's currently a bill on the legislative floor that's been brought forward by the Arkansas Democrats to raise minimum salaries for teachers to $50,000 a year in public schools and for staff to raise that to $15 an hour. What sort of impact would this have on Bentonville schools if, if this sort of legislation were to pass? And you know, does, does the school district have any sort of stance on this specific legislation or any other potential legislation?
3: Sure. That's a great question as well, Matthew. I I'm, I can't speak specifically to that bill because I've not yet seen it, but I can share with you that we are working currently to increase pay scale across the district, regardless of what the legislature chooses to do. And, and we hope they um, do always set out to compensate teachers fairly, but that's something we've undertaken on our own right now.
0: What's something that would surprise folks when it comes to working in a public school? I think, you know, many of us, probably grew up in public schools and and our recollection of public schools may be a little fuzzy because <laughs> it's been a minute since we've <laughs> been in one. Yeah. What's something that might surprise folks about working in a public school system?
3: I think what has surprised me the most over the past six years, um, I, I will have been with Bentonville Schools for six years um, next month, and I think what I've enjoyed seeing the most is first and foremost, what our students are doing. We have some really fantastic young souls doing great work here, whether it's in elementary or all the way up to high school. But I think second is how engaged the parents are in Bentonville schools. And that's a beautiful thing because they are true partners who want to come alongside us and help their children succeed.
0: Leslie, is there anything I missed or anything you want to make sure we touch on when we think about the recruitment fair that's coming up?
3: I really appreciate you asking that. I really appreciate your time today. What I would most want is for folks who have any idea, um, even an inkling of an idea, that they might want to work in education to come visit with us. We'd love to have a packed house that day. Again, it's just drop-in. All of our schools will be represented, so you can visit with principals and assistant principals at each school. Again, there's an opportunity for on-site interviews, and we would just love to see an awful lot of people from this area turn out to visit.
0: Leslie Wright is the Director of Communications for Bentonville Schools. You can attend the Recruitment Fair at Bentonville High School on Saturday, February 25th, between 9.30 a.m. and 2.30 p.m.
1: The University of Arkansas is now home for the Arkansas Center for Black Music and will be offering the only Master of Music in Sacred Music degree in the country. The center and the degree are being created with a gift of more than $848,000 from the Alice L. Walton Foundation. Both the center and the degree will be led by Jeffrey Allen Murdoch, a Grammy winner, and the University of Arkansas's Director of Choral Activities. And Theater Squared is extending the run of Kim's Convenience. There are now seven additional performance dates, meaning the production will be on stage at T2 through February 26th.
4: Have you ever wondered about the history of black people in this bubble we call Northwest Arkansas? Have you wondered about the current state of the black community in Northwest Arkansas? Have you wondered about what is being done about the black community in Northwest Arkansas? Well, hello, I am Karee Banton, director of African and African-American studies at the University of Arkansas and host of the podcast, Undisciplined. And in celebration of Black History Month, Undisciplined will be hosting a live podcast recording on black erasure in Northwest Arkansas at the Squire Jehagan Outreach Center on Willow Street on Thursday, February 9th at 6 p.m. The panel will include Sharon Killian, president of the Northwest Arkansas Black Heritage Association, Tommy Davis, longtime resident and a descendant of the Northwest Arkansas Historic Black Community, Chris Seawood, a member of the Northwest Arkansas MLK Council, who will be given an update on the state of Black Northwest Arkansas census. An architecture professor in Ngozi Brown, an expert on historic preservation in Black communities. For more information, please head on over to kuaf.com live podcast.
0: Still to come on our show today, the end of a COVID emergency, but not the end of COVID.
5: I think the public health emergency, the
0: steps that we took to actually contain the virus
5: you know, is over, but the virus itself is still present. Uh, we continue to see new variants. The current variant is about two-thirds spreading through the nation, about 50% of our state.
0: That report in about 12 minutes.
6: Time now for today's Northwest Arkansas Business Journal Report. I'm Paul Gatling. Today we've got a conversation with Carter Malloy, who is the founder and CEO of Fayetteville technology company Acre Trader whose platform makes it simpler for accredited investors to invest in farmland. AcreTrader is approaching its fifth anniversary, and we'll discuss that milestone with Malloy and what comes next for the fast-growing tech company. That interview plus a rundown of other business headlines are on the way after the break on today's Northwest Arkansas Business Journal Report.
7: Support for the Northwest Arkansas Business Journal Report is provided by the Arkansas State Chamber of Commerce and Associated Industries of Arkansas. The Chamber's mission is to promote a pro-business, free enterprise agenda and prevent legislation, regulation, and rules that hinder business. ArkansasStateChamber.com Arkansas Blue Cross and Blue Shield. For more than 70 years, Arkansas Blue Cross and Blue Shield has used its knowledge and compassion to create healthcare solutions for individuals and businesses. More information at ArkansasBlueCross.com. First Security is proud to be only in Arkansas. They offer smart solutions for personal and business banking, plus convenient services and community investment. First Security. Member FDIC. Equal Housing Lender.
6: Carter Malloy is a native Arkansan and University of Arkansas graduate who was living and working in San Francisco when he moved to Northwest Arkansas five years ago. He did that to launch a technology company, Fayetteville Land Brokerage, AcreTrader. Using proprietary technology, AcreTrader offers a unique real estate crowdfunding platform. Accredited investors can buy shares of farmland instead of other assets like residential or commercial real estate. Malloy was part of a panel of regional business leaders who were invited to speak Tuesday at the Northwest Arkansas Council Winter Meeting in downtown Bentonville. After the event, I caught up with Malloy to discuss Acre Trader's growth and what his expectations were when he launched the business nearly five years ago.
8: I had lots of expectations. I think we've, we've met some, maybe failed the others, but, but as a whole, I, I don't think I ever appreciated how rewarding it would be to, to grow a business and to uh, grow my own career, but importantly, see the people I work with grow their careers. So it's mm-hmm. been, a, been an amazing five years, uh, almost five years in April, and looking forward to the next five for sure. Yeah.
6: Why did you wanna move from San Francisco to Northwest Arkansas to do this? Why was this a, the important part of getting your venture off the ground to be here?
8: The easy way to put it is because i love it here I, I went to school here but then moved around for a while lived in little rock in san francisco for a long time and i wanted to move back here to start a technology company because i, I knew there were great people here and the look the art scene and the music scene and the outdoor scene and the community and the uh, all the activities for kids and great schools for my own children are all super attractive but at the end of the day I love it here because the people that live here uh, make it a special place. All right.
6: All right. So you guys just had your uh, annual meeting webinar a few days ago. Talk about some of the highlights that you wanted to, to get across to the, the viewers and listeners and just kind of what the, the first five years of your company has looked like and maybe more importantly, what the last year looked like. It seems like you guys really had a lot of growth in a lot of different areas in 2022.
8: We have seen a lot of growth and, and uh, quite a bit of movement throughout our business. What, what we're most excited about going forward is our increasing capacity to partner with farmers so we spoke a lot about this on our on our webinar allowing farmers to actually have a real financial interest in the land that we're investing in so we're investing truly alongside the farmer uh, that's a uh, some, something we've, we've done a little bit in the past. We're going to be doing a lot going forward, and we're very, very excited about this partnership with the American Farmer and bringing investment dollars to rural America, while also, of course, allowing investors to diversify their portfolio and invest in farmland. All
6: right. So these are accredited investors uh, that you work with that, that invest on your platform. Um, what is the market for farmland investing in 2023? Why is it, why is it a unique asset class uh, that obviously you are keenly ing- aware of and keenly keep uh, 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 close tabs on?
8: Some of the things that make it very unique are, one, it's relative stability. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't tend to whipsaw around quite like the S&P for stocks or or gold does for that matter. Uh, Also, similarly to gold, uh, it's somewhat correlated to inflation. So a lot of folks look at it as an inflation hedge. So it can actually help protect a portfolio against inflation. So stability, inflation, potential inflation protection, and then diversification. So it doesn't tend to move around with other asset prices. So prices of other things don't don't tend to push farmland around a lot. So that that consistency and that sort of independence make it very attractive to a lot of investors because it's just this piece of your portfolio that's literally, it's different than everything else you own and tends to act differently as well.
6: What does uh, your portfolio, just kind of give me some of the metrics of your business as far as acres that you work with, farms that you work with, where they're at. I know your footprint stretches to Australia now, and just the type of assets, timberland, row crops, just what are some of the key metrics uh, to quantify your business?
8: We work across about forty thousand acres today, and would expect to add something similar to that in the next twelve or eighteen months. So, so growing very quickly on, on the actual acreage front, and and you're exactly right. We started out with row crops, so things you plant every year, primarily in the Midwest and here in the the delta in the Arkansas Delta, or, sorry, the Mississippi Delta. Uh, then expanded from that into permanent crops, things you grow on trees, that tends to be a little more West Coast concentrated, and then uh, Australia. Now we do timberland as well, and we'll continue to add other assets around the world of land. We, we just love this core idea of, of land as an asset and as a holding uh, for a simple reason that it is simple, right? It is, there's a physical amount of it that's finite and frankly for farmable land, it's shrinking very quickly. Uh, so it's a very straightforward, easy to understand asset class.
6: So you've jumped off in Australia internationally. Are there other countries? Is there potential for, for more international growth for acre trader as you get on down the line?
8: There is, we're a lot, we're a little reluctant in a lot of places, I should say, and a lot reluctant in many also. Uh, the concerns we have are around title law. So there are some countries where there's beautiful farmland and, and really attractive returns, but the title law is not quite what we're used to here. What, what we're intrigued by with Australia uh, and, and similar commonwealth type of places is really solid title law. So your, your government is not necessarily going to get in the way of, of you operating your business or you owning your land there are other countries that we are very interested in and currently exploring now. Final
6: question is just something I noticed from your webinar. You, I think you said the number was like 8,500 investor distributions uh, that you've uh, completed in, in the company. But I think it was like 6,200 of those, you know, happened last year. Just a big What happened in 2022?
8: things ramped up <laughs> that's, the, that's the big one a lot, a lot of folks were receiving distributions from farms they invested in over the previous year or so and so we've just seen very tremendous top line growth in our business over the last 12 and 18 months and uh, expect to do so expect to continue to experience that albeit we have to always make sure that we are executing on our end so we have have to engage in responsible growth this isn't a growth growth at all cost kind of business we, we've got to continue to adhere to our core principles and our core underwriting to to make sure we're giving great experiences to both our farmer partners and the investor partners
6: all right all right that's carter malloy He's the founder and ceo of fast-growing acre trader in fayetteville approaching their five-year anniversary carter continued success thank you paul AcreTrader has about 120 employees and $385 million in total assets under management. For more, visit the website at AcreTrader.com. In other news this week, we mentioned the Northwest Arkansas Council Winter Meeting, and we have some reporting from that event by Kim Souza, specifically about comments from executives with J.B. Hunt, Simmons Foods, Tyson Foods, and Walmart who all gave updates on their company's expansion plans. A Northwest Arkansas real estate investment firm has closed its first successful exit. Kaysen Capital Partners of Fayetteville sold the Ridges at Bentonville for $12.25 million. With 96 units, the purchase price equals $127,604 per unit. The and Capital Partners paid $8.9 million for that apartment property less than two years ago. And Fayetteville banker Gary Head has been elected chairman of the Arkansas State Chamber of Commerce for 2023. Head is the chairman, president, and CEO of Signature Bank of Arkansas. For more news, visit us online at nwabusinessjournal.com, where you can follow our reporting each and every day. I'm Paul Gatling, and that's the Northwest Arkansas Business Journal Report. Until next time, thanks for listening.
1: The Arkansas Cinema Society now accepting applications for the Filmmaking Lab for Teen Girls, now through March 10th. It's for junior and senior high schoolers. It'll take place this summer in Little Rock and offers young women a chance to experience things like screenwriting, directing, and cinematography. More information at ArkansasCinemaSociety.org. Theater Squared presents Kim's Convenience on stage through February 19th. Before it became an award-winning hit comedy series on Netflix, the playful, sweet, and hilarious story of the Kim family and their charming corner store was a smash on stage. 777 or theater2.org for tickets. You can discover something for everyone in the family this winter at the Scott Family Amazium in Bentonville. Programming for kids of all ages, teens, adults, and professional development for educators is available. And on April 21st, the Amazium hosts its annual Ungala fundraiser. Information and registration at Amazium.org. This
0: is Ozarks at Large. The Biden White House late last month announced plans to end the COVID-19 national emergency and public health emergency on May 11th. Both declarations have been in place since early 2020, providing federal government flexibility to waive or modify certain requirements to Medicare, Medicaid, CHIP programs, and private health insurance.
1: They also allowed emergency use authorization of medical countermeasures, including for COVID-19 tests, vaccines, and drug treatment. Ozarks at Large's Jacqueline Froehlich contacted Dr. Joe Thompson, president and CEO of Arkansas Center for Health Improvement in Little Rock, who's provided listeners reliable guidance through the pandemic, and she asked him how to prepare for this change.
9: On May 11th, our COVID-19 national emergency, as well as our public health pandemic emergency, first declared in early 2020 will officially end. This was a politically preemptive move by the Biden White House to countervail the Republican-controlled U.S. House resolution called the Pandemic is Over Act. A million people in the U.S. so far have died from COVID-19, a highly contagious and debilitating respiratory virus. Fatalities that medical experts say could have been prevented if more Americans were vaccinated. That's why Dr. Joe Thompson, who leads the Arkansas Center for Health Improvement, headquartered in Little Rock, says it's important to remain vigilant.
5: I think the public health emergency, the steps that we took to actually contain the virus, you know, is over, but the virus itself is still present. Uh, We continue to see new variants, the current variant, is about two-thirds spreading through the nation, about 50% of our state. We continue to have about 200 people in the hospital each week. We had almost 50 deaths last week. So while the emergency is over, the threat continues to be a low-level threat across our state and the nation.
9: Thompson says tracking the incidence of COVID-19 infection in Arkansas is no longer possible because most people are using home antigen test kits and not following up with clinical tests, which are reported to the State Department of Health.
5: I don't think we do know what the level of infection is. We can just look at some of the hard indicators of hospitalization and unfortunately death. So we know that the virus is still present. Uh, It's likely that many of us have developed antibodies and that if we've been vaccinated, we'll avoid kind of the worst outcomes. Uh, But we are continuing to see, you know, new variants emerge and the more contagious variants will take over from the previous variants.
9: The Arkansas Center for Health Improvement warned disinformation remains pervasive in the U.S., pushed by socials like Twitter. After the site was purchased by far-right activist Elon Musk last year, he immediately terminated enforcement and monitoring policies. This year, Facebook and Instagram lifted a ban on former President Trump, the nation's leading pandemic denier. To help, the Arkansas Center for Health Improvement posts a COVID-19 misinformation toolkit, as well as the latest state data and best management practices. For now, vaccinations will remain free of cost for both insured and uninsured, but that will change, Thompson says.
5: The federal government has been paying for vaccines. And that will cease. So your insurance may cover it, or it may be an out-of-pocket cost for yourself after May the 11th.
9: Thompson says vaccination guidance will also likely change with the pandemic easing.
5: There is a scientific discussion going on about how to get COVID-19 vaccines on a more regular basis, so that we're not chasing the most recent variant, but we're actually putting protection like a blanket across the whole nation. I think that discussion's underway. It's not clear yet what the outcome is, but I would anticipate at some point in the future, this may become either an annual or a periodic shot like the flu and other vaccines that we get.
9: Access to free home antigen test kits mail-ordered via COVID.gov will also end. So the
5: public health emergency has required or offered coverage for test kits, uh, and that will end on May the 11th. Uh, government-sponsored test kits are still available should people want to get them now. But all of the protections, all the payments that were in effect because of the public health emergency will cease uh, on May the 11th, as they should. Our emergency is over. We need to move back into you know taking good precautions that we still need to take because of the variants. Uh, but we need to get back to our normal caretaking efforts.
9: Thompson says COVID-19 public health emergency relief programs worked to insulate entitlements like Medicaid in states like Arkansas. One of the
5: components of the public health emergency was to give states additional revenue for their Medicaid programs if they would agree not to disenroll anyone. Our state took that option, and over the last three years, we have continued to enroll people but not redetermined or disenrolled anybody who became ineligible. So I think over the next few months, our State Department of Human Services will go through that process. It's important for people to doc, get their documentation in so that if they're still el- eligible, they can stay on the program. But I anticipate we'll have a number of people whose income has come up or conditions have changed so that they're no longer eligible and should be disenrolled from the Medicaid program.
9: The Arkansas Department of Human Services late last year warned that hundreds of thousands of ineligible Medicaid recipients stand to lose coverage once the national emergency ends. Data show that nearly 400,000 Arkansans had extended Medicaid coverage, with more than one quarter enrolled in the Our Home program, the state's Medicaid expansion program initiated under Obamacare. After taking office, Arkansas Governor Sarah Sanders, on January 13th, issued five executive orders repealing the state's COVID-19 testing advisory group, a COVID-19 technical advisory board, the governor's task force on COVID-19, the governor's medical advisory committee for post-peak COVID-19 response, and the state coronavirus aid relief and economic security act steering committee, all assembled by former Governor Asa Hutchinson, who also staged informative daily press briefings during the worst of the pandemic. In contrast, Governor Sanders, in a statement issued with her January 13 proclamation, claimed, quote, Unfortunately, Arkansas prioritized COVID 19 response disproportionately. Again, Dr. Joe Thompson with the Arkansas Center for Health Improvement.
5: I think Governor Sanders in her clearing of the books, if you will, of old task forces, old things that are no longer uh, in effect or needed, you know, that was an appropriate step to kind of clean the slate. I think as we go forward, COVID was a, a forest fire on our doorstep. The health department, all of our clinical community had to respond to it. And we did have some increased mental illness. We had increased substance abuse. People didn't get their cancer screenings. So we need to redouble our efforts in one of the least healthy states in the nation to get people the care they need and to get people the opportunity to lead a healthy and productive life.
9: The Arkansas Center for Health Improvement will continue to closely track the pandemic, which persists in the U.S. and in Arkansas, on its COVID-19 portal, providing maps, the latest mortality data, a clear graph showing hospitalization rates, and trends over time, found at achi.net.
5: I think we've all been through a pandemic. That's a new infectious threat that threatened the entire world. I think we are coming out and out of the emergency now, but we still need to invest in safeguards so that we're able to detect when a new threat emerges, take action quickly, and be able to protect the public's health from new and unknown future threats.
9: We queried the Arkansas Department of Health for this report, which responded via email that the agency is back to normal operations and that staff, after May 11th, will respond to COVID-19 similar to any other infectious disease. For now, ADH continues to maintain its data-rich COVID-19 website, counting nearly a million COVID-19 cases in Arkansas since a global pandemic was declared. Of those, 13,000 Arkansans died. Only 59% of Arkansans are fully immunized, and with more than 3,000 active cases in Arkansas currently, not counting positive home test results. Highly contagious COVID 19 virus variants continue to circulate. For Ozarks at Large, I'm Jacqueline Froelich.
1: This is Ozarks at Large. I'm Kyle Kellens. I'm with Timothy Dennis. And, Timothy, it's Thursday. We're together. There's music
10: happening. All right. Let's start with tonight, actually. A couple shows happening later this evening. Starting at Nomad's Trailside in Fayetteville, they're going to have a blue and jam grass show featuring the band's Pretend Friend. Charlie Mellinger and Chris Spurgeon. Show $10. That gets underway at 8 o'clock this evening again at Nomad's Trailside in Midtown Fayetteville. Downtown Fayetteville is going to have a show tonight at Smoke and Barrel. Uh, it's going to be an alt, punk, and rock show featuring Matthew W. Charles who is from the Philadelphia area. Mm-hmm. He is supported on that bill by locals Mindless Souls and The Big Sack.
11: I'll pose a question, you'll shoot it down. the ground without consideration. Debates. You always make excuses, no matter what the truth is. You always make excuses. You always make excuses, no matter what the truth is. You always make excuses.
10: Cover for that show is $5. That gets underway at 9 o'clock this evening, again at Smoke and Barrel in Fayetteville. Jeremy Hedge to tomorrow night Smoke and Barrel again in Fayetteville is going to have another type of rock and roll show this time featuring the St. Louis alt soul band the Jackson Stokes band okay I can't
11: believe them Michelle something.
10: For that is ten dollars. That gets underway at nine o'clock tomorrow night again at Smoke and Barrel in Fayetteville. Happening up in Bentonville tomorrow night, it's the latest edition of the City Sessions Home Sweet Home Concert Series. Yeah. Featuring Carly Bannister, who is a Nashville-based songwriter, kind of has a pop sound that's inspired by people like Brandy Carlisle and Casey Musgraves. on that set with local Jackson Hoyt, who's done a lunch hour for us yes, in the past. Yes, he does. Cover for that show is $20. That gets underway at 7 o'clock tomorrow night, again at Bike Rack Brewing Company in Bentonville. Elsewhere in Bentonville tomorrow night, Meteor Guitar Gallery is going to have a heavy metal and alternative rock show featuring Sawyer Hill and the Salesman. Sawyer Hill. This is his first show performing under his own name. He was formerly with the band Drawing Blanks.
12: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
10: Cover for that show is $10 in advance. Goes up to $15 at the door. That gets underway at 8 o'clock tomorrow night, again at The Meteor in Bentonville. Happening down in Fort Smith tomorrow night, the Brick Fields duo will actually be at R. Landry's Cafe. Nice.
7: When money is there God? Power They don't care about your soul, evil never tires, here's a loaded weapon, don't hold it to your head, stand up and get ready, there's a war zone up.
10: Love Brickfields. Yes, we here. do. Yes, we do. That show gets underway at six thirty tomorrow night. Again, that's at R Landry's in Fort Smith.
1: I was having dinner with someone who I just met that night mm. a couple weeks ago, and we were talking about music. And this person said, "Oh, you know who you should see? You should see Brickfields." I said, <laughs> "Yes,
10: you're right." Moving on, still in Fort Smith tomorrow night, Majestic is going to have a Texas country show featuring Carson Jeffrey. It's
11: easy time dress, man, and on my knees, she sits Me I love the stars. feel like I never
10: Opening that bill will be the low down drifters. Cover for that is $15. That gets underway at 8 o'clock tomorrow night again at Majestic in Fort Smith. Okay, Saturday night. George's Majestic Lounge in Fayetteville is going to welcome the New Orleans-inspired Tulsa-based brass band, King Cabbage.
1: Well, I love that description.
10: They're pretty amazing. They Late last year, they released an album live from Keynes, and it's just incredible. Cover for that show is $10. That gets underway at 8.30 Saturday evening, again at George's in Fayetteville. And then finally, Saturday night, the Gravel Bar over in Eureka Springs is going to have Springfield-based songwriter Brian Copeland in the house. Mm-hmm.
5: With passion,
10: dripping with
11: empathy can't deny the laws of attraction it's like nectar to a bee oh my honeybee let me be your honeybee
10: that show gets underway at seven o'clock again that is saturday evening at the gravel bar in Eureka Springs, and i will take care of us at least through the next few days. Timothy
1: Dennis, thank you very much. Thank you.
13: I'm Maria Rosa. This week on Latino USA, an intimate conversation between two teachers who almost three decades apart face the same consequences for teaching Chicano history in their classrooms.
0: To talk to somebody who has openly fought in the same ways that I'm planning on fighting, it's really
13: powerful. That's this week on Latino USA.
0: Latino USA, Sundays at 3 on KUAF 91.3.
1: Tomorrow on Ozarks, let's talk food and the Arkansas Food Hall of Fame and the restaurants nominated this year.
10: These are places that are are attracting their second generation, in many cases, of customers. Um, As you say, they've been around a while, so that shows they've done something right.
1: Plus, Fayetteville gets ready for Restaurant Week to help boost sales during a slow period. Tomorrow at noon and 7, and you can digest it when you want by listening to the Ozarks at Large podcast.
13: Professor at the University of Arkansas Music Department, expanding our musical boundaries with Sound Perimeter. We open Sound Perimeter today with Carlos Simon's piece for solo flute, "Move It." Simon, a native of Atlanta, Georgia, wrote this piece during the pandemic and carries in it the need to get out and move. In the words of Simon, quote, "My intent is to make this piece an imaginary syncopated joyride." I wanted to explore the percussive and rhythmic nature of the flute, something that moves with energy and forward motion, quote. The amazing flutist in this performance is Dr. Bryce Smith, who also happens to be an alum of the University of Arkansas Music Department. Carlos Simon's Move It, interpreted by Bryce Smith. Carlos Simon's music ranges from concert music for large and small ensembles to film scores with influences of jazz, gospel, and neo-romanticism. Simon is the composer-in-residence for the John F. Kennedy Center for the Performing Arts and was nominated for a 2023 Grammy Award for his latest album, Requiem for the Enslaved. Valerie Coleman is an established composer and Grammy-nominated flutist and entrepreneur. She was named one of the top 35 women composers by the Washington Post and Performance today's 2020 Classical Woman of the Year for her significant contribution to classical music as a performer, composer and educator. She is a founder member of Imani Winds, a woodwind quintet known for its adventurous and diverse programming, which includes both established and newly composed works. Today, we are listening to the Imani Winds and Coleman's Red Clay and Mississippi Delta, described by the composer as, quote, a light scherzo work that references my family's experience of living in Mississippi from the juke joints and casino boats that line the Mississippi River to the skin tone of my relatives from the area, a dark skin that looks like it came directly from the red clay. The solo lines are instilled with personality, meant to capture the listener's attention as they wail with bluesy riffs that are accompanied by the rest of the ensemble. The result is a virtuosic chamber work that merges classical technique and orchestration with the blues dialect and charm of the South. That was Valerie Coleman's Red Clay and Mississippi Delta, performed by the Imani Winds. Since 1976, when U.S. President Gerald Ford extended the recognition to honor the too often neglected accomplishments of Black Americans in every area of endeavor throughout our history, every February we celebrate Black History Month. A celebration we are joining today with our musical selection performers, and composers. This is Leah Uribe, Associate Professor at the University of Arkansas Music Department, expanding our musical boundaries with Sound Perimeter, a show written and hosted by me and produced by Timothy Dennis, KUAF 91.3 in Fayetteville, Arkansas. Sound Perimeter is a segment dedicated to diverse voices in and around music. I hope it will expand your knowledge and connection to inclusive sounds and let music infiltrate your lives and transform your realities. See you soon.
0: This is 91.3 KUAF, Fayetteville, Fort Smith, Bentonville, and Little Sugar Creek. I see what you did there. Uh
1: KUAF is a listener-supported service of the School of Journalism and Strategic Media at the University of Arkansas.
0: Contributors today include Josie Lenora, Paul Gatling, Jacqueline Froelich, Timothy Dennis, and Leah Uribe. Stephanie Brock produces the Northwest Arkansas Business Journal Reports.
1: Matthew produced today's show, Inside the Bruce and Ann Applegate News Studio 2.
0: From the Carver Center for
1: Public Radio in downtown Fayetteville, I'm Matthew Moore. I'm Kyle Kellums. We'll be back tomorrow, noon and 7, with a Friday edition of Ozarks at Large.